Hello and welcome to this special podcast detailing all the latest in the care of paediatric lupus. I'm Ed Vital from the University of Leeds and I'm the chair of the Lupus Forum. So you'll have heard us cover all the new data about adults with lupus over the past couple of years, but something we haven't really done before is focus specifically on this crucially important subject of lupus in children. So I'm delighted to be joined by my colleague, uh, Dr. Eve Smith, who's a paediatric rheumatologist and a senior clinical fellow at the University of Liverpool. Hi, Eve. Thanks a lot, Ed. So thanks for inviting me to join in with the, the Lupus Forum and produce this podcast. Um, so today we're going to talk about um, treat target in childhood lupus specifically and whether or not this could be a realistic approach to care for children with lupus. Um, to start with, we're just going to talk through a bit about childhood lupus and how this differs from, from adults with lupus to give a bit more understanding to the audience about, about that. So... Um, Childhood lupus is, is rare, so it's rarer than, than lupus as a whole. It's chronic autoimmune inflammatory disease, and it's associated with significant morbidity and end storage organ damage. Um, and as in adults, the, the presentation is really quite variable. There's no specific diagnostic criteria. And of all patients out there with lupus, about 10 to 20% will have onset in childhood, so below the age of 18. Um, and looking at the incidence We've done some studies in, in the UK itself, a British Pediatric Surveillance Unit study, showing that the, the incidence of childhood lupus is between 0.36 to 0.46 per 100,000. So, so far rarer than, than um, adult rheumatologists will recognise from, from their own practice. Okay, so in terms of burden of the disease, childhood lupus is known to be associated with significantly lower health-related quality of life, particularly compared to their peers. We know that patients develop damage early in the disease, so as part of that British Paediatric Surveillance Unit study that we did looking at the incidence of, of lupus, we actually went back to all paediatricians who had made a new diagnosis of lupus. This is a study that was run a couple of years ago um, and asked them specifically about damage and identified that about 20% of new patients had developed damage within a year as defined by the slick damage index. So this is something that we've been particularly um, concerned and, and preoccupied about. And obviously children have a far longer disease course. So they have more um, time and, and potential to develop complications from the disease itself and also from the treatment. In studies that have compared um, children and adults with lupus, we know that children tend to have higher disease activity. They tend to have a higher medication burden, particularly in relation to corticosteroids, and they tend to have more severe areas of organ manifestation. So renal, cardiovascular, hematological, neuropsychiatric, and, and potentially combinations of these. And this is, um, is associated with higher standardized mortality ratios. So between three and six fold higher in children than in adults, with the younger you are, the higher the standardized mortality ratio. And all this is known to have longer term effects on, on physical functioning, psychological functioning, and also social outcomes. So one of the, the main studies looking at longer term outcomes is a study called the CHILL NL study from um, the Netherlands run by Sylvia Campus. And this has looked at outcomes at around 20 years um, post a diagnosis in children. So still not that long. And there's definitely a lot more work to be done in this area. But even, you know, at that time point, they demonstrated a high impact on academic achievements, employment um, and things like the ability to work um, full time versus part time, that type of thing. Yeah. So I, I really noticed that, you know, the, the younger at the my patients are even within the adult spectrum at time of diagnosis is something I really note as a kind of this is going to be more severe one of my 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 predictors I make a diagnosis but 
what you're saying is the disease is more severe in terms of the immunopathogenesis and maybe the genetic burden and the impacts more severe just because of having a chronic disease at that time in your life. Yeah, it's a time where there's so much going on anyway, when you think, you know, adolescence, all the changes that occur physiologically, psychologically, and to have to deal with a, a chronic disease at that time point when you're you're trying to really um, find your own sense of self, you know, education, yeah. making choices about life. Um, it's, it's a particularly tricky time to develop a condition like lupus. So in terms of the treatment options, obviously these are, are very similar between um, children and adults with the main difference being, you know, even when something is, is licensed in adults, it takes quite a lot of time for it to then become um, available in children. Obviously, all the more standard biologic, uh, standard DMARD type drugs are all freely available in children. But currently, we only have one biologic, so bulimumab, which is approved. Obviously, rituximab is used off-label, and there's no current use of um, adalimumab or, or other drugs, particularly in children. These are all still in trials. Um, and this is one of the reasons why we're particularly interested in treats target. So it would give us an opportunity to use existing treatments in a far more structured way to be able to control activity, hopefully earlier in order to prevent damage and lead to improvements in health related quality of life and survival. And this graph on the right hand side is, is from that British Pediatric Surveillance Unit study, and it shows the treatments that patients in the UK are on at one year with the green showing the current and the red showing the previous. And, and what I was quite surprised at looking at these data is, you know, at one year, there was still 35% of patients receiving IV methylprednisolone. That seems quite um, unusual to me. Um, and, and obviously high high use of steroids in, in that first year. Mycophenolate moftil is the most common drug, which is probably not surprising. Um, about 30% of patients receiving rituximab, but that's in the face of all these patients still having you know, methylprednisolone. So there is a bit of a disconnect there um, yeah. and a suggestion that maybe we could be treating more aggressively with immunomodulatory treatment to try and, and reduce steroids and the steroid burden. Yeah. And there might be a, you know, is it, is it, is it that this, the, the childhood form of the lupus actually requires a different range of therapies than what the adults require? Or is it just we don't have enough data on, on the same range of therapies? Um, it, it, yeah, and also uh, the other thing I wondered when I saw that was whether our issues around things like adherence to to long term to long term oral immunosuppressants causing there to be a greater reliance on intravenous, for example. Mm. All that will definitely play into this, but I think also having a, a sort of assessment that you would use within a treat target approach, where it's done every time you're comparing visit to visit, you're, you're you've got a sort of really firm hold on whether someone has improved is stable or got worse and that could push someone to escalate treatment in a more timely way so that we're not seeing patients on methylprednisolone at a year um so i think that a big part of that is is monitoring and, and have introducing structured monitoring to try and move people along the treatment yeah. pathway quicker. So you regard, that use of methylprednisolone after a year you regard as a kind of an indication of a failure of the sort of long-term maintenance therapies that should be preventing that exactly remote. exactly yeah. by a year you should be you know trying to hit your low disease activity steroid target if, yeah. if not lower um so um and this is something that you know if we don't have targets if we don't systematically monitor patients and, and measure targets 
Um, it's easy to underestimate disease severity. So this is um, some data that's been published by um, Eric Moran's group and from Monash, um, looking at patients who um, are not in LDAS, um, that 35% of them were misclassified as being in remission or low disease activity. So, pay, so doctors are misclassified. So this is adult data, and I'm sure that this would hold true for, for pediatrics as well. But until you measure targets, and I've started doing this as part of my clinical care, so I now run a childhood lupus treats target clinic. Um, it, even for me, who, who, I, who I do look at sleeve eye scores and things like that, this is making a difference to my, my care and my ability to, to monitor patients more um, closely. So I think this is really important. And, um, and do you think that patients underestimate the, the situation as well, that they sort of think I'm okay when actually then, you know, when you assess things, you conclude, well, you're not really on all your targets. Yeah, I think potentially this is something that we, we run into quite a lot in lupus, particularly where people have got very abnormal bloods and, and we're worried as doctors and, and they're less worried. And, yeah. and obviously there's that aspect of just getting used to being unwell or having a bit oh, of fatigue oh, or having a bit of a rash so oh, so I think oh, it happens yeah. in both directions so I think yeah. doctors can sometimes accept things that that maybe they shouldn't be and and equally patients learn to sort of live with it and get oh, on with it and or, or maybe they don't know what they should be able to expect exactly and and I think treats target is an area that you know by actually telling patients about targets and telling them about what they mean then they, it helps them to understand their disease yeah. better as well yeah um, so this is another abstract that caught my eye at ULAR earlier on this year, and this was um, a survey of biologic prescribing, um, so a fairly large survey across Europe. And within this, they identified a subgroup of out of 1,279 patients, two to eight patients, who um, were rated as physicians as being well controlled. But then when you actually look at these patients, they had a mean steroid dose of 9.4 milligrams per day and they were experiencing flare and some of them had SLE manifestations, which could actually be classified as severe. So, so there is this concern that actually just, just left to sort of, you know, think about your patient based on just your clinical drug treatment and not, not monitoring something like targets and disease activity scores that, 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 for a proportion, potentially up to about a third, we might be underestimating disease activity and, and not realising that there is an opportunity to escalate care and to try and improve matters. So on the basis of all this, um, we've been really interested in developing a treat target approach for children with lupus. And actually this came in as one of the top 10 priorities for paediatric rheumatology research across the UK in a prioritisation exercise that involved um, a whole range of healthcare professionals, but also patients, parents and charities, which was, was run across the, the UK. Um, so this is something that we've been working on over the, the last few years, recent, um, really. Um, and to start with, what we did was look at data from the UK JSLA cohort study. So this is a national cohort which collects clinical and demographic data and also samples from patients across 24 sites across the UK. It's been running since 2006 and has somewhere around 750 patients in the cohort. Um, and using um, this rich um, collection of data, we looked at if patients get into targets that had already been proposed by adult rheumatologists, did this, does this have an impact on the risk of severe flare and also new damage? And we also looked at, at more descriptive things around, you know, are these targets actually attainable in children? Um, so we looked at three different definitions of low disease activity states and four definitions of remission. 
Um, and what we showed was that the, the attainability was very similar to, to what it is in adults. Um, and that attainment of all of these different targets, so all these three different target um, loads of these activity state and the four different remission definitions led to significant re reduced risk of both severe flare and also new damage. Um, the other thing that came out of these data is that the risk of, of severe flare um, also reduced after one year. So again, highlighting that this first year is really important and that we need to try and really optimize our, our carer during that first year in particular. Um, and um, the other thing that these um, data showed was that cumulative time in target is really important. So it's far better if you spend 20, 30, 40, 50% of your time in target than just a sort of one-off um, time in target. Um, and this really significantly reduced the, the hazards of both severe flare and damage. Yeah, and that's yeah very similar to what's been seen in adults, isn't it? And one thing I often think when I see this attempt to get on, because LLDAS is an interesting target, because in, in, in rheumatoid, when we talk about treated target, we talk about the DAS-28, but in lupus, we include steroids in the definition of LLDAS, don't we? So in some ways, you've got almost the different objectives slightly make war on each other, don't they? Because as you try to get the steroids down to get them in the target, you might increase the risk of disease activity going up or flares. Um, but of course, damage is related, can be related to steroids more than it's related to disease activity sometimes. Exactly, exactly. So that's why, you know, it's on purpose that these targets have been designed that way that they take into account disease activity, they take into account steroid dosing, and they also take into account physician global because none of these disease activity scores are perfect. So that's a way of mopping up any other types of disease activity that maybe aren't being captured fully by those scoring systems. Yeah. So um, very early in this program of research, we actually did some qualitative work. So a qualitative study asking patients and parents about their thoughts on treat to target. Um, particularly asking them about targets, what they th thought would be the best um, type of type of target, um, asking them about the overall concept of treat target, asking them if we should be targeting, um, you know, LDAS and remission, or whether or not they felt there was additional things we should be targeting, and we asked them about clinical trials and how we should be designing those trials. Um, and overall, families felt that this would be um, a good idea. So this was a, a, a multi-site study, seven sites across the UK. Um, they thought that it would help them to understand the disease, particularly early in the disease, if they had this concept of knowing where they were trying to get to, if they were being told about um, whether or not they'd met the targets, if they hadn't met it, why they hadn't met it, the types of things that they were going to be working on together with the clinician. They thought that that would really help to understand their disease, their treatments, why they were taking the treatments and ultimately could help with compliance. Um, Families felt that they would prefer to be entirely asymptomatic with no side effects. And this is an, an interesting one because I've spoken to lots of different people, lots of different patients about this. So patients who are relatively new in the diagnosis, maybe in the first few years, tend to select a target of, of remission and want to be completely as they were prior to that. Whereas when you speak to patients who've maybe had lupus for 10 or 15 years, they, they've said things like, actually, I'd, I'd rather choose low disease activity state. I wouldn't want to set something too hard and not achieve it, and it might affect me psychologically. So it is something that is very much should be a personalised um, discussion and could, you know, different patients may want to, to choose different things and different clinicians may also have their own 
take on it, especially for the initial target based on that patient's history and, and what's going on in the past. Yeah, I mean, one thing I've often found, and I'm sure it must apply to children too, with with adult patients when we've talked about this stuff, is they've, as doctors, we kind of say, well, to us, remission means like there's no symptoms, there's no signs, and your medication doses are all stable and they're really well tolerated. And then the patient sort of brought up a load of other things and said, well, there's that leaves loads of, you know, there's all this uncertainty. I've got this chronic disease. If I didn't take these medications, I'd get ill. I have to take them. I'm dependent on them. Am I going to flare next year? Are other, you know, all these other aspects about concepts of un- uncertainty and what should we do will become important, don't they? And that's also important as part of shared decision making. And actually, when you're setting your targets, you know, not just considering medically defined treatment related targets, also thinking yeah. about the wider context of the patient in their life. So linked to that, um, patient told, patients told us that they don't want us, us to just focus on low disease activity and remission. They wanted us to also be thinking about health related quality of life. They particularly wanted us to be um, monitoring fatigue in a structured way, clinic to clinic. Um, and suggesting interventions to help with that. And they also mentioned that how much they detest steroids and that having steroids as a target and getting the steroid dose down would be particularly important to them. Um, there were some concerns about the treat-to-target approach, primarily around you know, things like the, the increased frequency of hospital visits could affect schooling, could affect parental employment and finances. So I think when designing this approach and also studies, it's important to try and learn from things like the pandemic and our experience of remote monitoring and remote visits and things to make it work for the patient um, whilst keeping it um, as effective as possible. So so I think overall, I can say that, that patients and parents have been really enthusiastic about this approach. Some, some have said, you know, compared to treat to target, standard care sounds rubbish. It's not rubbish, but I think it, it could definitely be improved. And I think that they were very... Um, positive about this yeah and and very much linked to this we've we've involved patients and parents a lot in in all aspects of this research program so one of the things that came out of that qualitative study was that the qualitative researcher spent at least five if not ten minutes trying to explain the treats target approach so this is something that can be quite tricky to understand and and building on that we went out to three different public patient involvement groups um, and worked with them to develop an animation which helps to explain this idea of treat to target and is, is lupus specific. And you can view that on YouTube and you, you can also share it with any patients in advance of a treat to target clinic appointment to help them understand the approach a little bit before they actually um, hit the clinic room. And involvement in children and young people has been really important around thinking about the design of a future clinical trial. And we've also involved three young adults with lupus who are in their 20s who developed lupus as children in an international treat target task force. So coming together with experts from around the world to give their views um, during consensus meetings. And there's been many, many times where what they have said has really impacted on the consensus process where international experts have been at loggerheads and then the patients provided their view and it's really clarified the way and helped us to see the wood through the trees. And some of these patients have gone on to become co-investigators and grant applications. So I think with this, program of research being so closely linked to patient experience and and how their care could be delivered and um, it's been an area where we've, we've had a really great opportunity to work closely with with children and parents so i touched upon the international treats target task force this this is a group um, of around 20 professionals spread across the world north america south america across europe africa asia and australia 
um, who have come together, who are all um, interested in developing this treats target approach for, for childhood lupus. We recruited them through the major professional organisations in paediatric rheumatology. And together, as our first task, um, we led a consensus process to develop principles and points to consider for um, childhood lupus treat to target. Um, so this provides an overall framework for what treat to target should look like, all the things that it should include, considering targets, considering wider things that impact on, on care and also ability to reach targets, thinking about steroids, um, so there are four overarching arching principles um, and 14 points to consider. And there are very high levels of, of consensus in all these points to consider. This is, this is a, a great document and a really great start for anyone who's interested in developing treats target as part of their um, clinics. But there were a range of urgent research priorities mm -hmm. that, that need to be fulfilled to try and help strengthen this approach further, with the top three being that we, we felt we needed paediatric specific targets. So there were aspects of the existing adult targets that we felt didn't quite fit for children. We wanted to look more closely at whether or not there's a dose related association between steroids and damage accrual, because that could help impact on the sort of cutoffs that are included within the targets for different steroid doses. And um, we, we need to think about the optimal frequency of target assessment and actual escalation of care. So in terms of developing those paediatric specific targets, that was the second task of this International Treat to Target Task Force. So we reviewed all the existing evidence around targets in adult lupus, but also looking at paediatric cohorts that had looked at application of these targets. We wanted deliberately to keep the targets as closely poss as possible aligned to adult targets to encourage life course studies um, and for patients to be treat treated to target in childhood and for it to progress on into adulthood seamlessly. Um, and what we have derived through consensus is three targets, one called the Childhood Lupus Low Disease Activity Slate, which is very closely aligned to the adult LLDS, which has been produced by Eric Moran's group. Um, and then two remission targets, the CSLE clinical remission and CSL, CSLE clinical remission off steroids. And the middle one, the CSLE clinical remission, is very closely aligned to the single Doris definition that, that has most recently been published. And the next slide just shows um, the main differences between the paediatric definition and the adult definition. So you can see for, for CLLDAS, it's very closely aligned with the main difference being that we've added in a weight-based um, steroid dosing. So whichever is lowest would be the maximum steroid dose that the patient could be on. So if you've got a patient that's 30 kilos, it would be inappropriate that for them to be on 7.5 milligrams of prednisolone as a sort of um, maintenance dose. Um, so that accounts for that. Similarly, with clinical remission, CSLE clinical remission, again, we've added a lower weight-based equivalent. And then we've added in this additional um, category of clinical remission off steroids. And there's quite a lot of reasoning for that. So, um, and, and this just graphically shows those three, those, those two different definitions. So you can see clearly that there's, there's two targets in adult lupus that are currently being proposed. And in childhood lupus, we are proposing three targets with the third getting them off steroids. So why do we feel as pediatricians that we need clinical remission off steroids? So the task force felt very strongly that we should be aiming to get patients off steroids. We know that they impact hugely on growth, on development, on puberty, um, and that patients detest them. And we know from adult literature, as we've mentioned earlier, that there's not really a safe low dose of steroid in, in lupus. So this first graph here 
um, is looking at damage accrual in patients who clinically have clinical remission, no serological activity, but are on steroids. And what you can see with, you know, confidence intervals of 1.03 to 1.23 and a significant p-value is that you're, oh, sorry, it's this one above here, sorry, is that the mean prednisolone, the time-adjusted mean prednisolone dose impacts on the likelihood of, of damage. And for every one milligram decrease in steroid dose, it reduces your risk of damage. So there's no safe, so from adult data, there's no safe um, lower dose of, of steroids. This is something that we want to look at in paediatrics. Yes, I, I, I speak about lupus obviously quite a lot of different meetings and departments. And this is something I find quite quite controversial amongst different doctors um, that I tend to sort of say it should be zero. Um, it should only not be zero if you haven't got any other options. But while you've got other treatments available, then you should be aiming for zero. But there's a lot of people who push back against that and say lowish doses are okay. They do prevent flares. There was a paper just out this month, which we'll probably cover on the Lupus Forum next month, I suppose, saying um, that uh, flare, you're more likely to get flares if you're on zero than if you're not. Um, unless, of course, the serology was all down, and then I think it's less of an issue. But it's, yeah, it does seem... It seems like quite a controversial subject. It is controversial. It definitely is, is, is a controversial area. And it is something that we need to investigate more in depth in, in paediatrics itself. But most paediatric rheumatologists would aim to get patients off. It's, it's yeah. unusual that we would be happy to have someone teetering along a long road. That's my feeling too. And I always think it's a case of what other tools have you got to do? Have you really tried all the other tools you've got to achieve that? And then the other one being, how long is it? Was it before you started trying? You know, as, as mm. time goes on, it gets harder and harder, doesn't it? Mm. And there's also data to suggest that in patients who you've got into remission, if they're steroid free, as opposed to being on five milligrams or less, that actually this impacts on mortality as well. So two yeah. big outcomes in, in lupus. Uh, and I like to say there's that big steroid. psychological effect. Steroids is one of the drugs you become most dependent on when you're on it long term, aren't they? Which is one thing that patients highlight. So I don't want to be dependent on these drugs. I want to feel like I've got control over it. Mm. So for that reason, as a paediatric community, we've elected to have have three targets. So low disease activity and two remission targets with the yeah. with the aim of getting people into clinical remission. So still not saying that we want to mandate um, serological remission, but getting them off steroids being yeah. key. So in terms of, of next steps, so this is, you know, we in November last year, we had uh, actual face to face consensus meeting. So prior to that, a lot of the work had been during the pandemic and we'd been having online consensus meetings. And last November, we, we particularly focused on what a trial would look like. So thinking about inclusion exclusion criteria, primary secondary outcome visits, uh, outcome measures, visit frequency, timelines for reaching targets, treatment optimization. And together, we derived a clinical decision support tool to help treat to target and also um, started some thinking around something called an interim trajectory score. So because you're not going to expect your patients to get into target you know, in one, two, three months necessarily, we've developed this score that could help to tell you if someone is static, improving or worsening, and that could also act as a trigger to try and do something before you're expected to have reached that target. So one of the things that I'm looking at within my treat target clinics is how this trajectory score performs. So in ten, terms of next steps, what we really want to do is, is run a trial. 
So currently, um, with support from the Medical Research Foundation, I have employed a, a statistician who's helping to work through the different research questions that came out of the Principles and Points to Consider paper, um, working on validation of paediatric-specific targets, looking at steroids, looking at a number of other questions that will really help to, to shore up this approach and help to inform it. Following on from that, again, also funded by the Medical Research Foundation, we're going to bring together the task force again in Liverpool to run a Bayesian prior meeting. Um, we think that we'll need to do a Bayesian trial because with lupus being rare in children, it's going to be really difficult for us to run a, a frequentist trial with like 400 patients per arm or anything like that. So this is, this is our plan. And we're currently in the process of setting up a pilot that would run between Liverpool and Manchester, really thinking about the process of treat to target, any barriers or facilitators, how to streamline the process and make it easier so that, that the actual process isn't a hindrance. And just for the people who haven't used these methods before, a Bayesian prior means that rather than a trial where you sort of act completely naively as if you didn't have any information to test your hypothesis, you take account of the information you already had. Is that right? Yeah, so in this context, um, we would take into account any data that is already out there, primarily from cohort studies, but we may, might also be able to look at some clinical trial data sets. Um, and we would also take expert opinion to form this Bayesian prior. You would use that to calculate your sample size for the trial. You would run your trial. And then the outcome of the trial would almost be like an update of, of what you knew from the Bayesian prior. So the, the yeah. results of the trial would not just be based on what happened in the trial. They would also take into account. So, um, so I, I say, well, currently I feel a bit more than 50% sure that this is the better course of treatment. And what would what evidence do I need to get me up to 80% sure or 90% sure, isn't it? That's where you're where exactly you're, a much better thing to do when you've got sort of small samples, and difficult questions, isn't it? And it'll let us do a trial where otherwise we wouldn't have been able to do a trial because the numbers just aren't possible. So there is currently a trial lupus best that's been run in Germany, I think, yeah. where they've got three arms, 400 patients per study arm. There's absolutely no way we could do that study. Um, and this is going to be something that's going to enable us to, to do a study that will provide more evidence than we, we currently have. Yeah. And there are, are examples of this within pediatric rheumatology where small Bayesian studies have been able to actually change clinical practice. So MyPan, as an example, with polyarthritis where it was an international study, I think it only involved about 15 patients, but it's changed practice and NHS commissioning. So yeah. I think this is a useful tool in rare diseases, particularly in pediatrics. So in summary, I think that we should all be trying to treat to target because currently the outcomes that we have from standard care just aren't good enough. We now have targets, both in paediatrics and in adult lupus, we need to start using them. The impact of target attainment from observational data is really very positive. So we've seen, you know, in paediatrics and adult lupus, it's associated with reduced disease activity, damage, reduced healthcare costs, improvements in health-related health quality of life. Um, and it's really important that we get this right for patients and families and also for clinicians, because we, you know, everyone's busy. We don't want to overburden them. So we are doing a lot of work around trying to simplify treat target processes. And that's maybe something that I can come back and talk to you about at a later date. Yeah. <laughs> so thank you very much for inviting me. to. That's, um, it's absolutely fascinating. It's, there's so much there to think about what's different about treating lupus in in. in children and adolescents um, and some of the same lessons that we need to learn about treating adult loops as well. I, I keep thinking, you know, from what you were saying, that we need we need to get a bit away from this concept of just response 
all the time. Mm. We always say in trials, can we give a drug that will reduce disease, your disease activities up here and can we get it down by this amount that sort of feels a bit better is not not always not really bringing in all the concepts and problems that occur in lupus you really have to think of a, a, a trajectory a, a course over time all the sort of network of complications that come out of disease activity not just disease activity itself and these are long-term studies aren't they so if you're thinking about trajectories you're going to need a really long time to, to sort yeah, of look exactly. at them and like whether or not say, risk could alter that exactly like we always say in in you know like we said in rheumatoids like 15 20 years ago like if we did some if we got the first year right would it make the next 10 years better so when you're taking a disease that comes on below the age of 18 but it's going to have consequences for decades to come those those questions just get so much more magnified in their importance don't they definitely definitely I read you you had a review recently which talks a lot about you know we're using some of our most effective treatments later on aren't we so we need yeah. to be bringing these in early. that's what I feel like, that's what I feel like when I see the young my what I call the younger patients in my yeah. adult clinic is I, I sort of feel like sometimes there are some people like I know it's going to be bad and we kind of just watch it happen mm. we're sort of chasing the disease rather than rather than getting ahead so I think this, this speaks so I think treat to target could really help to push people off the fence who are thinking, you know, they're a bit better than they were last time I saw them. I'm just going to stick or I'm not quite going to weed my step. You know, this is this will help to, to sort of move treatment on, I think. Yeah, we all know in the a structured way. Do. It's just making it simple rules to tell us to do them, isn't it? Mm. So that's um, absolutely brilliant. And unfortunately, it's all we've got time for today. But uh, thanks for joining me, Eve. It's been really interesting to have your insights. Um, and thanks to everyone for listening to this special broadca broadcast that um, we've brought to you from the Lupus Forum. So as always, the Lupus Forum is free to access all our content, including this podcast and all the PowerPoint deck associated with it, are free to download at lupus-forum.com. And if, if you register for updates with the Lupus Forum, then you'll get an email every time we have new content available and you can also do that by following us at uh, lupus forum or one word on twitter and on linkedin so thanks eve and thanks everyone see you next time thanks a lot bye